Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Neil? <laughs> it's a great day. This is a great day. Let me put this over in the light where I can see something. All right. Awesome. Hey, where are the Quest Kids at? Yeah. Everybody give it up for our Quest Kids. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, Isaiah. We love you guys. Hey, here's the thing, Quest Kids. You have been waiting for an entire year for Christmas to come back, and it is here. You are almost there. The last barrier standing between Christmas and you is me. Right. As if you hadn't had to wait long enough, now you got to sit through a sermon. It's all on the line, man. It's all on the line right here. Okay. You're awesome, Quest Kids. My goal for you today for the Quest Kids is my goal is to run out of sermon before you run out of coloring pages. All right? I think we can do this. Awesome. Hey, I want to highlight them because um, they have done such an amazing job of leading us this entire Advent season and into Christmas. Um, We started off our first Sunday of Advent together with Quest Kids up front singing and showing us what it looks like to worship God with their whole hearts. And uh, that was just a beautiful way to start off the season. And also, um, they led us in the toy drive um, for special needs children in Sierra Leone. And um, they did such a great job of putting that in front of us and, and showing us that, that heart of giving. And because of their leadership, um, as they are celebrating Christmas tomorrow and opening presents, um, also almost 100 children in Sierra Leone will have something uh, that they'll get to open and enjoy as well. So thank you guys. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for the way you lead us. And this is a time of year when we remember that, that, that our king came as a little child. And the prophecy of scripture that a little child will lead them. And that's what Jesus does. He came as a child and he led us. He showed, showed us what that looks like. And I love his heart all the way through the gospels and the way he's pausing for that. And he's calling us to look to the children to show us what the kingdom of God looks like. So thank you for that. Help, thank you for helping us to see. Uh, one of my favorite traditions with Christmas, we all have our, our different family traditions and the things that stand out to us that are so special to us. Uh, one of the things that stands out for me is on Christmas Eve every year growing up, uh, my dad and mom would get us all together in the living room. And this was something that had to happen before we went to bed. Um, he would read the Christmas story to us. And sometimes from like the big, huge family Bible. You guys ever seen one of those? It's like totally decorative. It's like this big, right? With like the gilded edges. That's like the only time it got used all year, but it was pretty sweet. Um, and so today I want to read that Christmas story over us as a church family. And uh, I invite you to hear it in a way that lands fresh on your heart. I invite you to, in, in the challenge of the prophets, to have eyes to see and ears to hear. All right, the Christmas story, this story that you're so familiar with, but hear it again. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. We bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Jesus, we celebrate you today. We are blown away at the beauty of this moment. We pray that you would give us fresh eyes and ears and just like the shepherds to be amazed at what we have seen and what we have heard. Just as you said it was going to be and you made it happen in a way that we didn't expect, in a way that we didn't see coming and we still haven't gotten over it. Thank you for the beauty of it. Capture our hearts again today in a fresh way. Help us to see and hear. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, several years ago, there's a Washington Post columnist named Gene Weingarten who conducted what he called an experiment in perception. And the leading question, the question he wanted to answer was this. Can beauty transcend... Would beauty be recognized? Would beauty be seen and appreciated if it showed up in an unexpected place at an inconvenient time? Would we see beauty if it showed up at an unexpected place and an inconvenient time? So the way he went about this experiment was this. He recruited a man named Joshua Bell. You might have heard of him. He's a world-renowned violin master, all right? And so he brought him in and set him up in a busy uh, Washington, D.C. metro station during rush hour. 
and he had him set up just like kind of a common street performer, all right? And he played his violin. Now, obviously, the incredible talent there with Joshua Bell, but beyond that, the violin that he was playing is this treasured, handcrafted, uh, Stradivarius violin from 1713. All right, this treasure, this 300-year-old violin instrument, this thing is worth $3.5 million, set up in the middle of a Washington, D.C. metro station. And so he begins to play. This, this same Joshua Bell, three days earlier, sold out Boston Symphony Hall for a concert where some of the tickets were going for more than $100. And here he is, Metro Station, Rush Hour, playing this violin. Treasured talent, treasured instrument, beauty showing up at an unexpected place at an inconvenient time. Would anybody notice and would anyone perceive? So here's what happened. He played for 45 minutes and more than 1,000 passengers walked past him. 27 of those people paused long enough to drop a little bit of change into a hat, which by the end of 45 minutes brought a grand total of $32.17 for this $3.5 million violin, this master playing it. Seven people out of more than 1,000 paused long enough to take in the beauty for any length of time. And one person out of 1,000 recognized who he was unexpected place, inconvenient time, the rush of the moment, the routine of the everyday, and beauty shows up, and hardly anyone even notices. The failure to perceive. I want to challenge us today that Christmas is an invitation to perceive. It's an invitation to pause and to look again. This story that we've heard over and over again, this story that we've seen play out in front of our eyes every single year that we've been alive, basically. Can we see it in a fresh way? Can we see it in a fresh way? Will we perceive, or is the beauty going to pass us by? I want to challenge you today to look again at this story. Look again at the shepherds. Look again at the shepherds. Don't just glance past them. Don't just think about kids like in a bathrobe, right? Barring their parents' bathrobe for a play and hoping that they don't embarrass their parents by the way that they act in front of everyone. But look again at the shepherds and think about who they were. People, it says, who were living in the fields nearby. And recognize that they were not influential people. Yes, we we remember them as, as these people who made history. But they were not influential people in their society. They did not hold an honorable profession. You didn't want to grow up and become a shepherd. In many ways, they were outcasts. They were literally living out on the margins of the community, sleeping outside, probably most likely living in tents. Invisible to almost everyone. Almost everyone. These are the people that God chooses to show up to first and tell them the incredible news of what has just taken place and inviting them to lead the way, to become the first worshipers of Jesus. And today we're here following in their footsteps. 
That's what we're doing when we gather in a place like this, when we lift our voices and sing, when we pause and we, and we adore this baby Jesus. We are walking in their footsteps. They were the first ones. Look again and see them again for who they are. Look again at Bethlehem, this tiny little town, this little town in, the, in obscurity with not much going for it at all. Even today, as we sit here, the town of Bethlehem, is surrounded by a wall. The town of Bethlehem is a victim of the conflict that is happening in the Middle East. It's a Palestinian territory, and it's caught in the middle of the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And there's a wall built around it. There's a military checkpoint to get in and get out. It's this place in the middle of nowhere. It seems like an insignificant place. And yet God chooses this to be the birthplace, first of all, of King David, the greatest king in Israel's history, and then of the Messiah, the one who will overshadow even King David, born in David's line. This little town in obscurity. Remember that God's eyes are fixed on obscure places. And he chooses to move in obscure places, in surprising ways. So if today you feel like you are trapped in obscurity, then take heart because God sees you. And he loves to move in places of obscurity. He loves to move in places of obscurity. It's not only possible for miracles to come out of nowhere. It seems like it's the pattern that God chooses to make miracles come out of places that seem like nowhere. So if you're trapped there today, take heart. God's eyes are locked on you. Look again at Joseph. I love Joseph. He's the original stressed-out dad of Christmas Eve. (laughs) Trying to make it happen for his family, but it just ain't going right, all right? Think Think about Joseph and look at Joseph again. His reputation trashed in honor of the woman that he loves and the God that he serves. Willing to take that trashed reputation to do what God tells him to do and what he knows is right. He will raise the son who will raise the dead. Joseph will teach the creator of the world how to be a carpenter. And Joseph will show God what it means to be a man. Look again at Mary. Look again at this teenage mother. From the first moments of this, she has been in uncharted waters, and things are not going to get any easier for her from here. Time moves too quickly for any mom, but especially when you realize her baby was born for the kind of mission that he was born for. She's trying to take up every moment and put it in her heart. For this moment, she will ponder it, And she will cherish it. And look again at the baby. Baby Jesus, there in the manger, look close, take him in. This is our redemption. The whole history of the world is going to turn on this little child. This is our seed of hope pushing up through the dirt after a bleak and bitter bitter winter. And this is beauty. Transcendent beauty showing up at an unexpected place at a very inconvenient time as the masses rush by. This is our invitation to perceive, our invitation to look again 
what will we see? What will we see? Today, to continue, we're going to share in communion together, which is something that we always do together on Christmas Eve. And as you come forward in just a moment, here's how it's going to work today. We're going to have you come around, come down this aisle. So if you're on that side, then you'll work your way down the aisle, come up this way. We will serve you communion right here, and then you will pass through this front row right here, okay? As you pass by and you get to the end of the row, you're going to see the baskets of candles. We ask you to go ahead and take one of those candles as you go by, and you're going to need that for our our candle lighting at the end, okay? So we're going to invite you to come down, take communion here. You'll tear off a piece of the bread, dip it into the cup, and then you'll come down this way and take one of your candles Um, that you're going to need later, okay?